0: And one that I cannot believe gets fought as hard as it does by Christians. That blows my mind. When Christians uh, literally fight this message as though it's not real. It's crazy to me. Like you can't experience this. Um, (laughs) But we're talking about how you can walk in supernatural joy on a daily basis. And, and you hear so many Christians talk about the fact that, you know, well, you know, we go through these things and, you know, this is just sometimes you have to go through this or the struggle or whatever it is. And it blows my mind to, that they give you this impression that you can't have joy regularly, that you can't walk in joy on a daily basis, that, well, there's going to be times where you'll be in a depression there's going to be times when you uh, are, are in an anxiety and panic attacks. There's going to be times when you are get when you do get suicidal, and that's why today we're taking this time to talk to you about the fact that you can walk in overwhelming joy on a daily basis. We can walk in overwhelming joy on a daily basis. Why is that important? Because it teaches you and it teaches me that we do not have to just wait for joy to show up. It doesn't work like that. There are things you can do, actions you can take, that will actually put you into the joy of the Lord. There are actions you can take that will put you into the joy of the Lord. And as you've heard me uh, teach many times, um, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's Nehemiah 8, 10. So the devil, when he comes to steal your joy, he's actually coming to steal your strength. And that's an important fact to understand. He's actually coming to steal your strength because he wants to fight against a weakened church or a weakened believer. And so it's important that we know that joy is an element of the kingdom that keeps us in divine strength. That, of course, is found in Romans 14, 17. The Bible says, Paul was writing to the Romans, he said, uh, the kingdom of God is not what we eat or what we drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom is made up of three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, according to the apostle Paul. And so you understand joy, when you take that out of the equation, doesn't matter if you have pure righteousness, if you're walking around depressed all the time, it's not God's plan for you at all. And so we need to understand that's Romans 14, 17. It's important that we understand that God wants us to be walking in never-ending joy. Natalia is watching from Portugal. Is that Frazal? Natalia Frazal from Portugal. Good to have you on. I'm glad you're here with us today. Tammy Becker, Jackie Blake, Chad LaValle. Love you guys. Thanks for jumping on. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give you some of the biblical ways that you can jump into joy supernaturally. You can jump into joy. You don't have to wait for joy to come. You don't have to wait for a joyful um, you know, experience or something to happen that makes you joyful. People that wait on that will never experience uh, daily joy. So I'm just waiting for something to happen so I can get happy about it. No, no. We, we literally activate our own joy by obeying the commands of the word of God. And I want to show you that. I'm going to give you several ways today. I may even come back tomorrow and give you more. It just depends on how many we get through today. But this is such an important message that I don't want to skip over anything uh, that is important. The first way um, that we can operate in supernatural joy, as you know, and I'll I'll cover this quickly because I've I've covered it often. And so I'll cover this first method quickly. Number one, the quickest and easiest way to get into supernatural joy is to praise the Lord, is to literally praise the Lord. That's the quickest way. That is, as one one preacher said, Bishop David Oyedepo, he said it is the cheapest access into the presence of God. Praise is. It is the cheapest access into the presence of God. When you begin to praise the Lord, you are immediately transported into his presence. A better way to say it, would be that you're activating his presence. Good morning, Pastor Sharon and Bill, love you. There's Ro, good to see you. Pastor, yep, who's that? There's, oh, there's Randy Payne, Billions on today. Good to have you. When you praise him, you are activating. The reason I change that is because people say, I've had people say, well, you know, his presence is everywhere, brother. You know, he's omnipresent. Well, yeah, that's true. It is true that God's presence is everywhere, however, Have you ever been out to eat with somebody or sitting somewhere with somebody and you're trying to talk to them and all you see is them looking into their phone, staring into their phone? Of course you've seen that. They're there, but they're not there. And what happens is though God's presence is everywhere, many Christians do not acknowledge it, nor do they activate his presence. So he's there, but they act like he's not there. And as a result of that, they can't experience the benefits of his presence because they don't acknowledge it and they don't activate it. But praise activates the presence of God. It acknowledges the presence of God and activates it. And the Bible says in Psalm 1611, let me read you this verse of scripture, uh, you will make known to me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So let me just say a couple of things here. Number one, uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. Now, how do we know that we can get into his presence that way? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 22 and verse three, God inhabits the praises of Israel. God inhabits, dwells in, lives in the praises of Israel. So as you begin to praise him, you are actually activating that presence. You are putting yourself in that place. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So let me just submit a thought to you. You cannot be in fullness of joy and fullness of depression at the same time. You cannot be in fullness of joy and fullness of depression at the same time. You can't. It's got to be one or the other. That's why the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that uh, he's given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's an exchange. He gives you one for the other, takes away from you a spirit of heaviness and gives you a garment of praise. So praise is something that's tangible. It's a tangible anointing of praise that removes a spirit of heaviness from your life. And I'm convinced, trust me when I tell you this, I've done it, I've, I've studied this now. It's been, and, you know, I wrote I wrote the book on it, what? Uh, six years ago, praise, laugh, repeat. Uh, I'm convinced that people do not faithfully activate God's presence by praising him on a daily basis, let alone pray, praying. Let's not, I'm not even gonna get into praying right now, but praise, I'm convinced that people do not faithfully praise God as they should on a daily basis. And if we will, that garment of praise will remove a spirit of heaviness and transport us into his presence where there is fullness of joy, fullness of joy. So the key is, take time out of your day to praise the Lord. I love that Smith Wigglesworth used to wake up in the morning, even into his 80s, and he would dance before the Lord for 10 straight minutes every day and give God thanks and praise for another day to serve him, work for him, live for him. And it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter that he's in his 80s. He got out of his bed and danced before the Lord. Why? He understood the power of praise. He understood the anointing that comes upon you as you begin to praise the Lord. And so I'm encouraging you to do the same. Take time out of your day to praise the Lord faithfully. In fact, I've I've um, I've kind of given this as a, a guideline is that when you're praying, you know, one of the things that I like to do because it is biblical, I like to begin my prayer with praising God, and I like to end my prayer time with praising God. I start by praising him, and then I finish by praising him. I start by praising him for what he already has done. I thank him and I praise him for what he already has done. Why? Because thankfulness and praise are two elements that open up the heart of God and they're a biblical, uh, I should say, a biblical um, system and form factor that gets you into that presence where there's life-changing power. Just look at the Old Testament uh, form of the temple. The Bible says, come into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. So you're looking at the Old Testament temple. You had the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. The outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. Come into his gates with thanksgiving. That's the outer court. That's the first thing you should be doing. Thanking God. We come in, that's the ultimate, uh, you know. Uh, beginning to any prayer thanksgiving thanksgiving it turns the heart of God towards you and it also allows you to recover things that were lost I don't have time to get into that but I've done a whole teaching on that but when you come into his presence you come in with thanksgiving come into his gates with thanksgiving and then once you've properly thanked him then you start praising him and the bible says come into his courts with praise So we come in with thanksgiving, we go further with praise, and then the holy of holies, which is where we're headed, is where the power of God is manifested and where we can have our prayers uh, answered. And so we don't just run in and start requesting things, we begin to thank him and we begin to praise him. And as we do, we activate his presence. And joy comes, joy comes supernaturally. Now, number two, the second thing I wanna say is that not just, uh, not just praise, but prayer. Prayer is also a powerful element to bring joy into your life. Praise and prayer, the reason I mention them together is because they go together. I begin with praise. What is praise? It is actually magnifying the Lord. Um, you know, we we in our generation this waters it down a bit, but it, people say words of affirmation. Well, it's more than words of affirmation, it's a supernatural power. Praise is a supernatural power. We talk about his greatness, we talk about his goodness. In fact, if you'll read Psalm 150, you'll you'll be given direct instructions as to how you're to praise God. Praise him, one of my favorites. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. Praise him for his, that's praising him for what he's already done. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. And so that's what I do. I pray and then I first but first I praise him for what he's done that's been powerful. thank him for every miracle that, I, that he's done for keeping me in health and and strength, for keeping me in a place of peace, for blessing me, blessing my family, for lifting us head and shoulders above where uh, those before us went. I mean literally just taking the first 15 to 20 minutes of prayer to thank and praise God. Then you pray and then after you pray, thank him and praise him that what you just prayed is going to come to pass quickly. Thank him and praise him that what you just prayed is coming to pass quickly. But then in your prayer, notice this, prayer is an element. So if you're taking notes and putting this into the uh, comments section, put number one, praise. The first element that gets us into joy is praise. So number one, praise, put in the comments. Number two is daily prayer. But it's not just prayer. It's answered prayer, not just prayer, answered prayer brings joy. And I'm going to read you that from the gospel of John. And um, let me see, I'll take you to the gospel of John chapter 16 and verse 24. Listen to what Jesus said regarding prayer. He said, ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. You see that? I'll read it again. Uh, John 16, 24. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I love, uh, I love what this translation says. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So one of the, one of the reasons that uh, God answers your prayers is to bring you abundant or full joy. That's according to the gospel of John 16, 24. So number two is answered prayer. As we begin to pray and God answers those prayers, joy comes in. And you know, isn't that interesting that that's an an additional bonus that you get for praying? Good morning, Ashley and Ted. Isn't that interesting? That's an, an additional bonus you get on top of your answered prayer. That blows my mind. God's so good that he doesn't just answer your prayer, but along with that answer, he says here, have fullness of joy as well. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. I love that. So maybe you're praying for a loved one to be saved and then God brings conviction to their heart. They hear the gospel. They accept Christ as their savior. Your prayer is answered, but then your joy is also full. You're praying for healing in your physical body. God heals you by the power of his spirit and your body is made whole, but you also receive abundant joy. So it's interesting. God gives that to you as an added benefit. There's so much, literally, there's so much to be said about answered prayer and how to receive answered prayer. Uh, There's so much to be said, in fact, that we did an entire course on it in Miracle Word University. And if you've not gotten a chance to check out any of those courses, uh, we've got them all listed at MiracleWordU.com. One of them, as you can see in the top right corner, is answered prayer. There's so much that needs to be said because so many Christians struggle as to why aren't my prayers answered? How come I'm not seeing what I'm asking God for? Why aren't these things taking place? Answered prayer doesn't come by accident. It's important to remember that. Answered prayer doesn't come by accident. It comes because you know how to pray and you know what to pray. And but Jesus said, when you do pray and get answers, it will bring fullness of joy in your life. So I want you to put it in the comments section. Number two is fullness of joy through answered prayer. So number one is by praise. Number two is by answered prayer. So pop that in the comments if you've not done so already. Number three, the third one that I want to give you today, and this is a a powerful one that I don't know if many Christians access this because it takes dedication to do so. It takes that praise. It takes that prayer in order to get this third one. Um, And I'd love to see more Christians um, operating in this power. But this is what I would call a, a supernatural gps it's being led by the spirit number three being led by the spirit brings us into overwhelming joy being led by the spirit that's number three and i want you to put it in the comments section number one hey mama there's stephanie van Aken. that's mama from upstate new york number one is praise number two is answered prayer and number three is being led by the spirit this is so vital in the life of a believer, so extremely vital in the life of a believer. If you're not led by the Spirit of God, you're missing out on so many things that God has planned for your life, so many things. You know, um, I had a cousin, or I still have, he's not dead, I have a cousin, I should say, that uh, was in the special forces. And... um my cousin, who was in the Special Forces, served during the Gulf War and um, spent time overseas. He was in Iraq in the 90s uh, during Desert Storm. And one of the things that my cousin did as a Special Forces operative is that he would uh, laze targets. He would He would actually be the one who shot the laser for when the jets came in to, to bomb places, he would be the one that was lazing the targets. Well, obviously they, they train you to the nth degree when you're in the special forces and uh, you're in top physical peak condition when you're in the special forces. When he came home to West Virginia, um, he stayed on that same for a long period of time, extreme physical condition as he was And I can remember what he did. I was a teenager at the time. Very interesting to me. He would take gallon jugs that milk comes in, and when the milk was gone, he'd keep the jugs. He would take gallon jugs and fill them with water, cold water. And then he would drive his car on a route that he was going to run. And, you know, it's nothing for a special forces agent to go on a 20 mile run. He would drive his car on this route that he was going to run. And he would stop every so often and he would hide those jugs of water in different places on the route that he was going to run. And then when he got back to his house, he'd park the car and then he'd get out and he would take off running and he would take off running, you know, full speed, keeping his training at peak condition, but he knew where those jugs were. And so he would run until, and they were almost like mini checkpoints. And he would run full blast until he got to the first jug. And then he would stop, and he would take a drink of water from the jug, and then he'd keep on running and run on to the next jug and then drink from that jug and then keep on running. And he knew, now, if you were riding on that same route with your car or whatever it might be, you would not have seen the jugs because they were hidden. He hid them there. But understand this, that as he ran, he knew where the jugs were. And the jugs represented represented to him refreshing. Because as he's running full blast, 20 mile run, those jugs represent refreshing to his physical body. But because no one else knew where they were except him, when he got there, he could pull them out, they wouldn't be gone, nobody would have removed them because he hid them there for himself. When he got there, he could pull it out and refresh himself. Being led by the Spirit is the exact same concept for the believer. The Holy Spirit has already been through your future. The Bible says God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and He is the end. He already knows the end from the beginning. He already has planned for you uh, what, how He wants to bless you, where He's going to bless you, how it's going to take place. And the Spirit's leading and guidance brings you to those places in life. And people that refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit are those who are not being able to be guided to the place of their next refreshing, to the place of their next blessing, to the place of their next miracle. But when we follow the path of life, as the Psalmist wrote, and let me read it to you again, we're back in Psalm 1611 for number three, and I'm just gonna focus not on the end now, but on the beginning. Notice what the psalmist said. He said, you will make known to me the path of life. I want you to see, when I was younger, I used to quote this scripture wrong. I used to say, um, you will make known to me the paths of life, the paths, multiple. It's not what the Bible says. It says, you will make known to me the path of life, the path. There's one path. Don't believe this nonsense that many people teach, well... Brother, God has many wills for your life. There's the good will, the acceptable will, the perfect will, and no, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that all of those adjectives are referring to the same will of God for your life. His will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. It's just like saying that somebody was tall, dark, and handsome. All three of those adjectives refer to the same person in the same way that good, acceptable, and perfect all refer to the one will of God. You make known to me the path of life. There's my friend Brent Cashman. Love you, buddy. You make known to me the path of life. There's a path that God has drawn out for his people. And every path is different. It's important to know this. Every path is different. And so you have to find out from the spirit of God what he's calling you to do personally. This can only come by prayer. It can only come by prayer and fasting. We can never just look at somebody else's calling and purpose and say, man, I'd love to have that. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and do the same thing they're doing. If you're not called to do it, it'll be to your own detriment to try it because God didn't sanction you to do it. And so you're out doing your own thing. But when we pray and fast, The Bible tells us that he will lead and guide us into all truth, John 16. And here even the psalmist said that God would make known to him the path of life. And notice, in your presence is fullness of joy. So when you walk into the path that God has planned for you, guess what's attached to that path? It's joy, overwhelming joy, When you follow the instructions of God, overwhelming joy, when you follow the instructions and directions of God, do you know how, uh, no, there's not Tammy, a perfect will and a permissive will. Uh, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I believe that there are things that you can do because God's given you a free will, but he never planned for you to do them. And then there's things that he planned for you to do that you can either obey or not obey. God will let you do whatever you want to do. He's not going to force you to do what he wants to do. He'll never force you to conform to his plan for your life because you have a free will. Uh, But there are people who have put value in what God wants them to do, and so they pray and fast, and they discover God's purpose for their life. Now, if you miss what God's asked you to do, Tammy, It doesn't mean that you're done for the rest of eternity and can never get back on that path. You're only one prayer away, as my father's taught for years, you're only one prayer away from a miracle. You're only one prayer away from being put right back on track. I think the best way to um, give you an analogy to help you understand this is Google Maps. If you leave your driveway headed somewhere that you don't know how to get. You put on Google Maps, you type in the destination that you wanna get to, and when you hit start, it draws a line out on the streets and the highways for you to get to where you're going. Now, just because that line is drawn out for you, and that is the quickest route to where you're headed, it doesn't mean you have to make all those turns. It doesn't even mean you will make all those turns. I have, I've put Google Maps on and still miss turns. But what happens? What happens when you miss a turn? Well, you know as well as I do that Google Maps recalculates your route from wherever you are currently. It doesn't send you back to your driveway to start the trip again. It recalculates you from where you currently are and then shows you how to get where you're going. And so that happens to people in life is that they go and make decisions on their own and do what they wanna do and they, they don't follow. Maybe they don't even hear the plans of God because they don't pray and they won't fast and they won't press in to hear him. And so they may make uh, decisions based on what they think is good or, you know, but it's never it was never God in the first place. Well, that doesn't mean God's done with you. Remember that. It doesn't mean God's done with you. It just means you need to pray and fast and get back on track. You need to let the Holy Spirit recalculate your route and get you back on track. Now, it doesn't mean, let me just say this as a caveat, because it doesn't mean that mistakes aren't costly because they are costly. Um, I was listening to one preacher uh, preach on this. His message was called 20 Mistakes That Young Preachers Make. And at the beginning, he prefaced the message by saying, some mistakes are easy to recover from. Other mistakes are harder to recover from. And some mistakes you can never recover from. And so it's important to understand this, that it's the severity of your mistake. It's not that God will never forgive you if you sin. Of course he forgives you. But in the natural realm, there are some things that you can never recover from. Some things are harder to recover from than others. And then some things, let me let me give you an example so that you don't think I'm just making things up. Uh, some things are easy to recover from. Let's say you took a job that you knew in your spirit you should not have taken. And you're like, oh man, this, this was not the job that the Holy Spirit wanted me to take. You know what? It's not that hard to quit the job. And go take the job the Holy Spirit did want you to take. It's not, not that hard to do that. You can quit the job immediately. You don't even have to work there for a week. And then go take the job you knew the Holy Spirit wanted you to take. So some mistakes you can easily recover from. Some mistakes are harder to recover from. Let's say you had an issue with a husband or wife. And uh, something happened that, that really destroyed your relationship. Uh, obviously it wasn't your God God's will for you to do it. And it was damaging to your marital relationship It can be recovered, but it's going to be harder to recover from that than it is being able to quit a job and go take another one. Then let's go to the third. Uh, Let's say that you were outside of the will of God and did something as extreme as killing someone. You murdered somebody. You murdered somebody. Well, when they put you in jail for the rest of your life, three life sentences without the chance of parole, that's a mistake you can't recover from. And so let's say, for example, unless a miracle took place, that's in the natural, it's a mistake that you cannot recover from. So you have to understand hearing the voice of God and obeying it is literally life or death. And so the reason I don't believe that God has multiple wills for his people, Tammy, is because God is not double-minded. God's not schizophrenic. He doesn't plan multiple things for you to do. Let me give you an example. Go to James chapter one. In the New Testament, uh, the book of James, and we're gonna look at the first chapter. And the reason this is important is because God is encouraging us as his children to be a certain way. He's encouraging us as his children to be a certain way. Look at this, James chapter one. And uh, let me show you how he's encouraging us to be. So And understand, he's trying to make us more like him. That's the whole point, is that we're being molded and crafted into the image of God. And so I want to show you this in James chapter one and verse uh, six, and and, and let's read through eight. The Bible says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind, verse seven, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what does that mean? It means that when you're double-minded, you're number one, unstable, and number two, you can't receive anything from God. So understand this. If God was wanting us to become more like him, he's not going to tell us not to be double-minded while he is double-minded. You know, not, can't, can't settle on one thing. You know, don't be, he's not driven and tossed like the waves of the sea. He's telling us the same thing. Uh, you know, don't, don't be driven and tossed. Don't, uh, you know, how long you know, it's, it's asked, the question is asked in scripture. How long will, will you uh, literally uh, waver between two opinions? You've got to make up your mind. You've got to set your faith on something singular Faith has a single-minded purpose. God is single-minded. His plan for you is single-minded. And so he says, uh, God, the psalmist wrote, you'll show me the path of life. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord when he delights in his way. Ordered. So there is an order, not orders. There's an order that God wants you to walk. Yeah, exactly. It's all about 24-7 obedience. However, Tammy, you know as well as I do that not every person is, is catching every instruction from the Lord or in, or obeying every instruction from the Lord. So you do have believers that are, that are not walking in the perfect will of God. Doesn't mean they can't get back on track. Doesn't mean God won't use them. But it is something that will be detrimental to their Christian life. Uh, let me give you another example. If you don't know what you're called to do in life, you may go as a young believer to college and not know what you're called to do. And when you get to college, and I know people that have done this, you might, um, you might change your major three times, which extends the amount of time you have to be in university. So you've changed your major three times and now you've added time in university and you're there with student loan debt So what happens? What's a consequence of not knowing your calling and your purpose? Well, now you've racked up even more student loan debt, tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt that you didn't have to have if you would have just known your purpose and calling going in. So now you have to work until you're 42 years old to get out of debt. And literally before you can start making any money for yourself or your family, you're in debt till 40 or 42 years old because you racked up all that student loan debt, just studying things that you were never going to use because you didn't know what you were called to do. It happens all the time. This is not some fringe thing that I'm making up because, you know, to make a point, it happens all the time people are changing their major constantly people are in student people are in such severe student loan debt around this nation that they're trying to come up with laws to eradicate student loan debt it's crushing on people they can't even get out from under it and so i want you to hear what i'm saying today that is a result or a consequence of not knowing god's path for your life but think about how amazing it is when you do know his path think about how amazing it is when you hear his instructions and obey them and what it does for your life. Listen to this, Job chapter 36 and verse 11. Job 36, 11. if they listen and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness, the ESV says. They'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. And so I want you to hear this with me today, that when you hear his instructions and when you obey them, it puts you into a place where you're spending your days in prosperity, you're spending your years in pleasantness or pleasures, one translation says. That's God's plan for you, is that you continue to walk in his blessing. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to Deuteronomy 28. Let me read that to you in case I haven't read it to you in a while. Deuteronomy 28, and I'll start with verse one. Listen to this. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And then you read all the way through verse 14 of Deuteronomy 28, and you'll read every blessing that comes upon your life When all you did was listen and obey, that's it. That's called being led by the Spirit. That's the reason I have Carolyn as a wife today. That's the reason we're living in this house today. That's the reason I'm living in Florida today. It's the reason I'm in the ministry today. It's the reason God's blessed my family. It's the reason that I moved from West Virginia to to Virginia. It's the reason that I moved and went from Bible school, supposed to go to Rhode Island and ended up going to Oklahoma. Why? I was being led by the Spirit of God. It's being led by the Spirit. And so understand that when you are led by the Spirit of God, it brings you into overflowing, overwhelming blessings and joy. Brings you into joy. And that joy is there. God is actually marking. Think about this. Uh the Bible says, and I love this verse of scripture, pop, pop it in the comments. Um, and I want you to, before we go any further, I want you to write this. Make it your own personal confession and write it in the comments. I will be led by the Spirit. I will be led by the Spirit of God. I want you to pop that in the comments section. I will be led by the Spirit of God. Make a declaration today and make up your mind that you're not going to uh, be like the majority of those that are out there in the world today. I will be led by the Spirit of God. in Jesus name. I refuse to wander through life. I refuse to just take life as it comes. I will be led by the Spirit of God. That's right. That's exactly right. It's what ends up it's what ends up happening. I will be led by the Spirit of God in Jesus name. I will be. I'll not miss the mark. I'll not miss my turn. I'll not miss my purpose. I'll not miss my calling. I'll not miss my blessings. I'll not miss my joy. I will be led by the Spirit of God. So, so important. So, so important. Thank you, Gloria, for being first time. Everybody welcome Gloria Rizzo. She's on for the very first time today. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. I will be led by the Spirit of God. And I want you to see this. Because as you are led by the Spirit of God, the joy continually begins to flow. And that's God's plan. Is that as his uh, plan is being enacted in your life, you'll find joy after joy after joy after joy walking in the plan. Amen. Joy after joy. You know what he said? He said, "Are, are there any among you that are weary and heavy laden? Come unto me and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's not hard when you follow the voice of God. It's easy. It might be hard on your flesh, it's easy as a lifestyle. It is easy as a lifestyle. It's so much easier to be a Christian than it is a sinner. So much easier. Literally, I can't I can't even begin to tell you how much easier it is to not have to spend all that money on alcohol and cartons of cigarettes. Not have to spend money on drugs hoping you never get caught. Not having to go out and try to find love and acceptance in a prostitute hoping you don't catch a venereal disease. Like literally, it's so much easier to serve the Lord and not have to go through all these things that the world has to go through. It's so much easier to have the advantage of the Holy Spirit. So much, so much easier. Ginny is joining... uh, from Norway? Is that what you're saying? From Norway? It's your first time? Thank you for jumping on. Let me give you this final one for today, and then we'll pray. This this is the the fourth one I'm going to give you today, and that is this. Uh, Activating, uh, let me think of it another way, Uh, just obeying the Great Commission, I would say. Obeying the Great Commission. Activating your soul-winning anointing. That's number four. Activating your soul-winning anointing. It is the fourth way I'm giving you today to activate supernatural joy in your life. When you obey your purpose that God's given you to win souls, that's not reserved for preachers. Brought to you today by Diet AW That's not that's not reserved for pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, and teachers. No. It's not. It's for every single believer. Winning souls is for every single believer. Let me read to you. Let's go to uh, the end of Matthew here. Now I want to show you this. Let's read Matthew chapter 28. Listen to this. Um Let's start with verse 16, Matthew 28. Hey, Amber, Amber's in Logan, West Virginia. I'm from West Virginia, and I love West Virginia. Uh, Verse 16 of Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, 11 because Judas had already hung himself, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Matthew 28, as well as Mark chapter 16, is a command for us to evangelize the world And not just, now the reason I wanted you to look at that passage in Matthew, I know everybody always goes to Mark 16 to read the great commission, but I wanted you to read the passage in Matthew with me because I wanted you to see something Jesus said. He said, make disciples. Notice he didn't say make converts. He said, make disciples, disciple root word of discipline, (laughs) discipline. It means that I'm not just getting people to pray a prayer and then hoping hoping that they stay in the kingdom of God. No, there is scriptural discipline that's required to make disciples. You can't just pray the prayer and not obey the word. You can't just pray the prayer and not obey the word. We've got to become like Christ. Make disciples. Don't make converts. Make disciples. That means it's important where they end up going to church after they pray the prayer. I've heard people say the stupidest things. Well, brother, I don't care where they go to church as long as they go to church. I care where they go to church and not because I'm a pastor and not because I have a church, but it is life or death where you go to church and what they'll teach you at that church. I mean, it's, it's insane. People get on fire, they get saved, they go to a dead church and they get spiritually dead. Don't go to a church that's gonna kill you spiritually. Make disciples, not converts. Make disciples, Jesus said. And so one of the things that you'll see is that as you begin to, you know, do you know how hard it is to be depressed when you're out seeing people saved all the time? Wherever you go, you're winning people to Jesus. And you may not know this if you've not done it at length, but there's a joy that overtakes your life when you start winning souls. There is a joy that hits you. When you start to win souls. Let me show you something in Acts chapter 8. Now, in this story of Acts chapter 8, obviously there had been heavy persecution in Jerusalem uh, of the Christian church. And uh and so they began to be scattered and they began to get out. And, and this is interesting because in Acts chapter 8, um, the Bible says, and this is before Saul became Paul, he was ravaging the church, the Bible says. And he was uh, entering house after house and dragging men and women off and committing them to prison. That's Acts 8.3. But look at verse 4. The Bible says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. There was much joy in that city. So how did the joy come? Nothing funny happened, Nothing. it wasn't because there was a music festival, it wasn't because it was a holiday, it was because one man, Philip, showed up in a city and started preaching the gospel and as he preached the gospel, the Bible says they many of them believed and were saved and baptized and they saw miracles, signs and wonders and it was amazing and there were so many people that were saved in Samaria uh, that Peter and John had to come from Jerusalem to start laying their hands on those new believers, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. And so I want you, to, what was that? That's the beginning of discipleship. It's not just converts. They didn't just say, well, you've got it now, now go figure it out. No, Peter and John, apostles came and laid hands on those new believers to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. They began discipleship immediately, immediately. But notice what happened. So there was great joy in that city. Anywhere you go where soul winning is taking place, where the great commission is being fulfilled is going to be a place where there's joy without question, without question. You know, the dead, dry churches that always seem so uh, backward. Those are the churches where there's nobody coming to the altar to be saved. Those are the churches. It's sad how many churches now statistically in America, won't win souls this year. They won't have any souls saved in their churches. Might as well shut the doors. Might as well close up shop and quit calling yourself a church if you'll not even do the basic thing Christ commanded us to do, win the lost. But where we do win the lost, when we see people changed by the gospel of Christ, there will be a joy that accompanies it, always a joy. If you've never taken time to literally go out and tell somebody about Jesus and to win them to Christ and to bring them to church. Now's the time, now is the time. I mean, can you imagine, let's just say this conservatively, can you imagine if you made it a goal of your life that you would not let a week come to an end without winning one person to Jesus? You wouldn't let one week end without winning one person to Jesus. Can you imagine this? Now, the average church in America right now is between 70 and 80 people. And that's being a little bit liberal. It's being a little generous. The average church in America is between 70 and 80 people in a service. If you literally just dedicated yourself for a year to winning one soul a week, you would have almost personally doubled your church attendance in one year by yourself think about that you just took your church from 70 people to what would that be 132 people 122 people uh, you took you just took your church from from 70 people to 122 people in one year almost doubled it with just one person a week that's one person every 7 days that's nothing In case you didn't know how long a week was, it's seven days. (laughs) Smith Wigglesworth, I believe, would not end his day unless he'd won somebody to Jesus. Every day. Now imagine that. Imagine if you came into your church, but imagine imagine only 10 people of the 70. Now I want you to just think about this because it's so simple, many people never get it. Only 10 people of the 70 caught on fire like you did to, to win souls. If only 10 of those 70 said, you know what? We're not going to let a week go by without winning a soul. Then you come to the end of the year (laughs) and you've got 520 new souls. Add that to the 70 you've already got. Your church is at 590 people, call it 600. That in one year, because of 10 people, your church went to 70 a week to 600 a week. 70 a week to 600 in a week. Almost a 10 times growth in a year only because 10 people caught on fire. And a soul a week is nothing. It's nothing. I'm giving you the most basic childlike goal that you could ever have, winning a soul a week. I mean, that's nothing. 10 people caught on fire like that and your church goes from seven to 70 to 600. Let's say you only retain half of those people. That that your church has horrible follow-up programs and that you can only actually retain about half of the people, 50%. You know, you get the the 590 in there that's 200 and 250 plus another 45, 295. 300, call it 300. Your church just went from 70 to 370. That's a massive jump. A massive jump. You know, once you hit 300 to 500, You're in like the top 10% of churches in the nation, in the nation, do it again the next year. And guess what? You got a a church that's getting closer to 800 people. You'd be in the top 1% of churches in the nation. Why? Because 10 people caught on fire. That's it. You imagine the joy with those people being saved, getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, getting discipled. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the joy? But then it's exponential because let's say in the first year only 10 people caught on fire, but then the second year you had 50 people catch on fire, 100 people catch on fire. Then you had 100 people that are bringing in 52 souls. That's 5,200 people in a year. Retain only half of those. <laughs> That's 2,600 people added to your church in a year because 100 people caught on fire. Now your church is up to 2,500 people, 2,600 people, 3,000 people. Think about that, how easy it is to have that kind of church growth and see that kind of joy as people are being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. All it takes is for us to catch on fire, to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost, an encounter with the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm thankful I have friends like Pastor Alan Zadillo writing on these things, writing to Christians why you need an encounter. Why you need to have a fresh wind of the Holy Ghost hit your life and catch on fire. Why? Not so you can sit around looking like a a fireplace in your church so that you can go do the work that God's called you to do. To uh, win the lost, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, do what Christ has called you to do. You have the ability to do it without question. You've got the ability to do it. That's why I'm encouraging you. Joy will come to you as you activate that joy. Joy comes as you activate that joy. Don't just sit back and say, well, one of these days, let me just say, joy is going to hit me. No, it'll never hit you. You have got to activate the things God's put in place to bring your joy, to bring your joy. What do we talk about today? Number one, praising God on a daily basis, praising God. Number two, getting answered prayers, answered prayers by the power of God. You've got to have answered prayer. Listen, if you don't know how to have answered prayer, let me encourage you. Go to MiracleWordU.com and enroll today in answered prayer. It's just, you've got to do it. And if you do this bundle that we're doing now, you get all four courses for only $199 or $50 a month for four months, and you get over 20 hours of teaching. That answered prayer course will change your life. The mountain, all of them will change your life, but the mountain moving faith is brand new. Answered prayer will change your life. So I want want you to hear, if you don't know how to get answered prayer, I'll teach you for five hours how how to have your prayers answered from the word of God. And you understand, that's number three, being led by the spirit. You've got to be led by the Holy Ghost in everything you do, in every choice you make, be led by the spirit. And then finally, number four, you've got to win souls. You've got to be a soul winner. Uh, What are you doing? Obeying the great commission. Christ gave us this task. Nobody else. Christ gave it to us. And we've got to obey. I want to pray. I know I've had people writing in already on the comments. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for my nation. I'm going to pray. I want to pray right now. And then I'm going to ask God to give you the wisdom and the boldness to activate these things and step into the joy that you're believing for. That joy will be your strength. And that strength will be your fuel to do what you're called to do. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person watching. Today, I pray that you not only fill them with this encounter that they're believing for, but give them the boldness and the wisdom to step out in faith and obey your word and to take the joy that belongs to them. I curse a spirit of depression. I curse anxiety attacks, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. I command it to loose its grip on God's people today in Jesus' mighty name. And I loose the joy of the Holy Ghost, the peace that passes all understanding. Receive it today in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're sick in your body, receive healing in Jesus' name. By the power of the Holy Ghost, receive healing today in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. We give you praise and glory. And if you believe that, somebody shout aloud, amen. Listen, I encourage you to sow that seed today. If you've not done so already, sow a seed. Into this ministry hashtag donate on periscope or facebook um, if you'd like to use cash app or venmo the username is MwGive, as you see on the screen paypal is there as well and you can always go to miracleword.com and you can partner with us there you can sow a one-time seed there and also our address is on the footer of every page of the website if you'd like to mail a check some people still like to give that way um, the address is there, and you can make all checks payable to Miracle Word Univers- Ministries. Let me just say, we're going to send this book to every person that's partnering with us this month, $85 or more. This book, Encounter by my friend, Pastor Alan DeDio, uh, forward by Dr. Rod Parsley. This book is powerful. I've been reading it, I'm enjoying it, and uh, you need this. We all need a fresh encounter with the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to make this our gift to you in the month of February uh, for every person that sows that seed of $85 or more. Then every person this month that's sowing $1,000 or more into this ministry, not only are we going to send you the book Encounter, but this genuine leather, my favorite now. I love this. Life Application Study Bible. I wish I could take you somehow through this and show you on the screen all of the uh, tools that are built into this, but it is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. There's so many notes. Let me see if I can show you this. This is Matthew chapter twelve, but you can see see how halfway down the page, the text be, stops halfway down the page, and the rest of the page is study notes with like all the cross references on the side. This is a phenomenal phenomenal study Bible. Uh, apparently, it's the number one uh, study Bible that there is right now. I love this. Look at the beginning of a of a book of the Bible. You have the not only the background, the vital uh, statistics of the book, you've got the timeline, you've got the blueprint, you've got the mega themes. This this thing is amazing. And that's why I took one for myself. Uh because it's really really goes deep into studying and understanding the word of God. So, we're going I'm going to sign one of those to you this month if you are selling $1000 or more as well as sending you Pastor Allen's book, Encounter, which is phenomenal. And then everybody, 85 or more, we're sending you this book, Encounter. Just to tell you, we love you and appreciate you. And thank you for those of you that are sewing and standing with us. This week at Signs and Wonders Camp Meeting is gonna be powerful. If you have any way to get here, let me encourage you to get here. Tomorrow, Tuesday night, it begins at 7 p.m. And then Wednesday through Friday at 10.30 a.m., and 7 p.m., 10.30 a.m. and 7 p.m., and it's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. My father's going to preach. Bishop Rick Thomas is going to preach. I'm going to preach. I'm going to sing. Got the band there. It's going to be awesome. All the details are at miracleword.com forward slash schedule, and uh, if you can drive in, if you can fly in, this is one of the easiest places in America to get uh, is South Florida. You can fly into West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Get here, man. If you need a miracle, get here and receive what God has for you. It's going to be great. Any questions we have today on uh, what I taught or uh, what we went over from the Word of God, pop them in the comments. Um, we are going to be broadcasting at Lenan. It will be. It will be on Facebook and YouTube as well. And I think Periscope as well. So it should be in all places. It's going to be great. If you can't get here, log on and watch online because it's going to be awesome. It's going to be very awesome. By the way, let me say, if you didn't get the Winter Magazine yet, it is out and available. And uh, if you don't receive our magazines for free, uh, let me me encourage you to sign up, miracleword.com forward slash live. Yeah, and Tammy, that was a great question today because it's such a common question. It gets asked all the time, so I'm glad you brought it up so that we can answer it during this broadcast. Um, we'll send you all upcoming editions of Miracle Word magazine. We've got a new one that's about to drop for the spring. And this is the winter edition that you see. And if you'd like a copy of it, if you're overseas, we will send you a digital copy immediately. And uh, this will be a massive blessing to you. When you sign up, you're going to get a free devotional ebook from me, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, on this subject of overwhelming joy that we're talking about. We'll send that to you first thing by email, and uh, you'll get to have a copy of it. So uh, do that as soon as you can. Thank you for everybody that's sowing. listen, take a step of faith. Sow a seed that will literally spark your faith and prepare you for the harvest God has for your life. 2020, what is it? A year of violent increase and expedited favor. That's what it's gonna be for you in Jesus' name. Uh, Yeah, the Spirit-Filled Study Bible, Lena, done by uh, Jack Hayford is another great study Bible. Um, I think that's the one you're referring to is the Spirit-Filled Study Bible by Notes by Jack Hayford. If it is, let me know. They make it in three different translations, I believe. Uh, NLT, uh, e, King New King James Version, and there's one other, I think. If I'm right. If I'm not right, then I'm wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how do I get the song? There's a breaking in my favor you sang on a live meeting. That's going to be on our live album, Tammy, that's coming out very soon. We're working on it right now. Uh, We did that song live in concert in May at the worship summit. And uh, so when the whole album comes out, it'll be on every streaming service uh, and you'll be able to get that song. uh, If you'd like to get it immediately, it's on a David and Nicole Binion covenant worship album, I believe, um, And the name of the song is, I think it's just the doxology, but it's the bridge they do at the end of the doxology. So search doxology, David and Nicole Binion, you'll find the song. Uh, We did it with the band Live in Concert, and we're getting ready to release it. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. I love you guys so much, and I appreciate you. Maybe you're watching and you've never had an opportunity to check out Miracle Word University. Uh, and you'd like to see what's it, what is it all about? By the way, you can go to com and uh, you can browse all the courses. But if you're like, well, what is it? It's an online course. And if you'd like to check it out and see what it, the feeling of what it is to be a part of it, uh, we're going to sign out today by giving you a preview of Miracle Word University, letting you see what it's like to be a part of those courses and the brand new Mountain Moving Faith course is now available. So we're gonna, I'm gonna sign off by playing that for you guys today. I love you. I'll be back again with you tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a powerful day, and I'll talk to you very soon. Enjoy this clip from Miracle Word U. So in this video, I wanna quickly show you something that I was speaking about in a previous video, and that is when we were talking about the measure of faith, Uh, one of the warnings that uh, I give you and that you find in the scripture is to not exceed your measure of faith. And there's a reason that we talk about this. It is, I mentioned in the uh, previous video that it's damaging to you if you try to operate outside of your measure of faith in the same way that it would be, uh, I use the analogy of going to the gym. And if you tried to lay down on the bench press And put more weight on the bar than your body can handle. Although you might be able to get to that weight one day, you're not there today. And so trying to operate in that level of strength when you're not there would end up being damaging to your body. If you didn't injure your Uh, Shoulders or strain your muscles lifting that weight, you would actually just drop the weight on yourself and maybe crush your chest. And so it's important to understand that you should never exceed your measure of faith. As we showed you in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, God has apportioned or dealt out to every man a measure of faith. And so it's important that you understand that you are currently at a certain level. Of faith. And uh, as we read that, uh, I'll read it to you from the NASB in this video, uh, Romans 12, 3. The Bible says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So there is a measure to your faith. It's at a certain level right now. You should never try to do things that are beyond that level. I'll give you an example of that in a bit, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 17. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Listen to this. Paul writes, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. You see that? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. So don't walk outside of the manner in which God's called you and assigned you and purposed you. Let's go on, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Listen to this. But we will not boast beyond our measure. You see that? We'll not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. So understand what Paul's teaching here. We're not overextending our measure. We're not going beyond what we should be doing. We are operating within the sphere of our apportioned measure of faith. It's important to stay within your measure. Ephesians chapter four and verse seven, the Bible says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then finally, let me read to you first Peter chapter four and verse 11. The Bible says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God and whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength of which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So from these verses of scripture that I'm reading you, you can see and understand that there's a measure of faith in in which you're currently standing, that God has blessed you with, and that you've grown to that level, that as Paul taught, you should never try to operate outside of your measure of faith. And one of the ways to ensure that you never operate outside the measure of your faith, and this is so very important to listen and adhere to this thought, one of the best ways, and I'd say it's the best way to ensure you'll never operate outside your measure of faith to the harm of yourself, your family, your ministry, whatever, is to only ever do what God called you to do and only ever do what he is directing you to do.